uh, turn to Second John, Third uh, John. We did Second John last week. Turn to Third John. Uh, turn to your neighbor and said, "I'm glad you say you're, I'm glad you're here." Turn to the person next to you. I'm glad you're here. Good job. Now, I want you to I want you to look around. Uh, there are many who are here. Uh, and then there are many who are not here. They're getting that last gasp in before school starts. Uh, there's plenty of room. I would love it if we had, uh, we filled this place up and the people who aren't here today lost their seats. Wouldn't that be awesome? He said, well, you could have been here, but you lost your seat. Uh, I want to encourage you uh, to, uh, uh, again, uh, as we begin this new year, uh, September the 8th is usually kind of when we get back into the swing of things. Uh, this is uh, uh, different than a lot of d- other communities. Y'all know in the, a lot of other communities, most have already started uh, the swing of things. They start mid-August at the latest. Uh, but here in the 757, we start in September, and we run all the way to June. And so... Uh, I I really want to encourage you, do all that you can. God is doing an amazing work at our church, and and September 8th is going to be an enormous day for us. I want to encourage you uh, to be here and invite your neighbors and friends uh, as we begin this new series on wisdom, September the 8th. All right, Uh, on 3 John, uh, we're continuing kind of what John the Apostle wrote in 2 John. Uh, Last week, we looked at 2 John, and we saw uh, two ingredients for a healthy church and a healthy life. Uh, I want us today to look at that which God gives us, which is good for our soul. Uh, When I was younger, uh, several years ago, a couple of decades ago, there was a series of books uh, began with this one book titled Chicken Soup for the Soul. Y'all remember those, Chicken Soup for the Souls? Uh, it, was, it started with the book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and then it became so popular they did Volume 1, Volume 2, and then they started Chicken Soup for the Bald Man's Soul, Chicken Soup for the uh, Teenage Soul. You know, they, they started franchising it. But the value of that book was you could read it, and, and I needed it in my life. It touched uh, the places in me where I needed to feel, you know, and I, it, it would make me laugh and it would make me cry. And it just, it's just one of those books that you read a story and you go, wow, that's awesome. Or wow, that's sad. Uh, but it, it would touch us. And that's what made them so, uh, so popular. Um, uh, today, we're not looking at chicken soup for the soul in terms of that, which is just going to make us laugh or make us cry. Uh, good to laugh, good to cry, but that's not all that we need. In fact, I would contend that what's good for the soul has to be bigger than what makes us laugh or what makes us cry. Uh, Today, we're looking at what is good for the soul that gives us health and wholeness. Um, And and so I I want us to kind of uh, dig into 3 John, shortest book in the Bible, okay, shortest book in the Bible. Third John. I want us to dig through it. Simple message, but clear application. Now, when we talk about what's good for the soul, you can tell it's my birthday because I didn't get one, but I got two uh, different uh, Starbucks coffees. Um, now, you might say, well, that's a small coffee. Well, like the musical that is happening September 15th, uh, uh, 
good kings come in small packages. These are not just regular coffees. Um, those who know me and know me best know that I like a tall, that's a, a small cup. I like a, a quad shot in that small cup and an Americano, no milk, just hot water. So I've had eight shots of espresso and that is good for the soul. Uh, but it, 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 we need more than, than shots of espresso. We need more than just feel goods. We need something that is solid that gives life to us. And that's what we find in 3 John, something uh, that God shows us that will give life to us. We need life in our marriages. And God offers something good for the soul of our marriage. We need life in our work. And God offers us something good for the soul in our workplace. We need life for our families and in our home. And God offers us that which is good for the soul of our family. We need something that gives life to our soul. In the face of ups and downs, disappointments and delights, good times, bad, how can we find nourishment for our soul that gives us life. And that's what we're going to look at today. Simple, it's not complex, but that's the beauty of being a follower of Jesus. It really isn't that hard to understand. It's not complex. It's so simple, the youngest child can understand it. It's so powerful that it can change a life. And that's what we're going to look at today. All right, let me read from 3 John. Uh, 3 John is uh, the, uh, uh, almost to the back. It's on page 1078 of my copy of Scripture. Uh, I turned 52 today, so uh, I need probably bigger print, even though I'm wearing my readers. Don't y'all like my readers? People call me uh, Harry Potter when I read these, but that doesn't bother me a bit because Harry Potter is young. Uh, <laughs> Third John, third John, beginning of verse one, the elder. And if you remember, last week we saw that the elder is a term describing John the Apostle. John the Apostle, uh, the beloved disciple of Jesus. John the Apostle, the brother of James, one of the sons of thunder. John the Apostle, who wrote the Gospel of John, the three letters of John, and the book of Revelation. That is who the elder is. That is John, okay? The elder. To the beloved Gaius. Now, I want you to lean into beloved because we're going to hit that a little bit. And he's going to say it several times in this letter. Uh, in this brief letter, he's going to say beloved several times. And it's the word for, uh, uh, the Greek word for love, agapa, agape, uh, or agapao. Uh, it means uh, you're the one that I love, baby, ooh, 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 honey. It is my dear friend. The one who has my heart. He's talking about Gaius, uh, a brother in Christ, uh, someone that probably he led to faith in Christ. He says, My dear friend, my beloved. He says, Beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved. And this is the plural, so he moves from Gaius to the church. He says, Beloved. And he says, my dear friends, you have my heart. He says, dear friends, I pray that you may prosper 
in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And just stop there for a second. I, I want you to know as a dad and on my birthday or any day, there is no greater delight that I have or that Edie and I have than to know that my children, my girls, walk in truth. It's the greatest gift they could ever give us as parents. Our children walk in truth. I'm thankful for the coffee, but the greatest gift is that they walk in truth. But really, John's not just writing to his, his children in terms of uh, my, my, like my daughters. He's writing to the church, and he's saying there's no greater joy than my children, the church, walk in truth. Can I tell you, as pastor, one of my greatest delights is to know that you are walking in the truth. Can I flip that just for a second? because I want us to get the bite of this a little bit. One of the greatest tragedies for me and for Edie and I as parents is if our children are not walking in the truth. They're going a path that is contrary to the will of God. Nothing can destroy us quicker than that. And as pastor... There's hardly anything that hurts me more than if you are not walking in the truth. So there's delight, and then there's distress. John focuses on the delight here. He'll hit the distress in a second. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Beloved, again, dear friends, you have my heart. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love for the church. So there's a group of people who said, man, that church in Ephesus, probably the church in Ephesus, that church in Ephesus is a loving church. They have shown us love. Verse 6, who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers of the truth. So what's he talking about in verses 5 through 8? If I can just give you a snapshot quickly. John, during the, this season of the church's life, what would happen is there were these ministers, these, these preacher types that would travel... Uh, to different cities, and they would share the good news of Jesus or plant churches or, uh, or, or, or do ministry like that. And what would happen is they would go to a place like Ephesus, and as they went to the place, this place called Ephesus, uh, John, the apostle, said, hey, listen, there's a guy named Demetrius. He would write to Gaius or to the church. He said, there's a guy named Demetrius. He is a faithful follower of Jesus. He's a minister of the gospel. I want you to take care of him. And just like we as a church uh, care for Steve Harper and his family, uh, Demetrius would come in, and the church would embrace Demetrius, and they would show him love, and they would, they would uh, put food on his table, and they would put clothes on his back, and they would care for him. 
and they would minister to him as he ministered the good news to others. And that was the way things were done. And then as they left, as as Demetrius left and went to other cities, this church in Ephesus or First Norfolk, this church would share in the ministry that they uh, that Demetrius was doing in different parts of the world. And John was saying that is what love looks like. Okay. And he was commending that, and he commends that in us as a church. Okay. Then. Verse 9, he says, I wrote to the church, but then there's this cat daddy whose name is Diotrephes. Everybody say Diotrephes. Diotrephes. Don't be Diotrephes. If you get nothing else, get this. Don't be Diotrephes. You might not even remember what that means, but you'll get, oh, I don't want to be Diotrephes. Uh, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes who loves to have preeminence among them. Diotrephes, who thinks only about himself. Diotrephes, who likes to have the microphone. Diotrephes, who wants to have first chair. Diotrephes, who is living according to the me first principle. Diotrephes, who loves to have preeminence among them, does not receive us. Verse 10, therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does. Prating, P-R-A-T-I-N-G. I love that word. Prating. Prating against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish, uh, wish to receive the brethren, putting them out of the church. All right, so Gaius was leading the church to... Uh, have a guy named Demetrius say, okay, Demetrius, we're going to welcome you in the church. We're going to take care of you. Diotrephes didn't want Demetrius taking away from him. And so he would forbid Demetrius from getting into the church. He called John the apostle, all kinds of bad things. And then he said, if you let Demetrius in the church, if you're in the, if you're in the church at Ephesus and you let Demetrius in the church, I'm going to make sure that you have no place here anymore. So not only did he want to have first place, but he wanted to bully others so that nobody opposed his idea of what they ought to be doing. Okay? Don't be diatrophies. Uh, Verse 11, beloved, again, terms of endearment. You have my heart, dear friends. Do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Obviously, Gaius did what was good. Diotrephes did what was evil. Don't be Diotrephes. He who does good is from God, but he who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius, there's Demetrius. Demetrius has good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write, but I do not wish to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you shortly, and we shall speak face to face. Peace to you. Our friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. As we, uh, as, as we look at this passage and as we kind of uh, dig into it, I, again, this is, this is real simple. It's not complex, but I want you to get the simplicity of the message so that it transforms the way we live. I want you to be healthy. That's verse 2. Uh, John, John writes, he says, look, I want all of your life to match the flourishing of your soul. 
He said, here's, here's the picture. You're so, Gaius, I love you, and I want the best for you, and I know your soul is flourishing. Well, why was Gaius's soul flourishing, and how can your soul flourish as well? How can your family flourish? How, how can you flourish at work, even, even at work? Walking in truth is good for the soul. That's, that's exactly what John is talking about. And he's telling us, again, simple, not complex, not hard to understand. But friends, y'all look this way. You want to flourish in your home, in your marriage, with your children, with your parents. You want to flourish at your work. You want to flourish in your neighborhood, in your relationships. You want to flourish You've got to walk in the truth. And if you're not going to walk in the truth, you will not flourish in any of those settings. Guys, i got to tell you, I long for you to flourish. I long for our church to flourish. But in order for us to flourish, we have to walk in truth. Now, we looked at walking in truth last week when we looked at 2 John. And, and, and let me just kind of, I don't want to belabor it, but let me just kind of lay it out. All right, walking in truth is where I submit myself to what God teaches, what God says in the Bible. And it's where I live my life in sync with the good news that Jesus has awakened in me. So it's where I adjust my ambitions, my will, my desires, my emotions. I adjust all that to fit what the Bible says, God's Word. And again, if you remember, last week we looked at Psalm 119 briefly, and, and we see Psalm 119 talks about how God's Word is truth that endures forever, and, and it is consistent, and it's true, and it's not something that changes. So, so we want to live according to God's truth which is his word. But can I tell you, it's, it's more than that because what, what happens when we become followers of Jesus uh, is that God writes his truth on our hearts. And as he writes his truth on our hearts, it means that by his spirit, we come alive to living in sync with God's will. It's not just being moral. It's not just following a set of codes for conduct, it's actually living this new life that Jesus has awakened in me. All the old is passed away, and I am living in the new, and that new is from God. He told the prophet Ezekiel, there'll be a day, hundreds of years before Jesus came, he said, but there'll be a day, and he was pointing to the day Jesus came, he said, there'll be a day when I write my law on their hearts. My friends, we're living in that day. If indeed you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God has awakened you in this new life to know God's will. That's what walking in truth is. It's where I'm walking hand in hand with Jesus and living according to God's word. Um, in Proverbs chapter 3, uh, the, uh, the, the writer of Proverbs, and that's what we're going to look at uh, in a couple of weeks, but the writer of Proverbs says, uh, if you want to have long days and a good life, then don't depart from the commandments of God. Can I tell you, that's just as true today as it was thousands of years ago when it was written. If you want to experience a flourishing life, then you've got to hold true to God's Word. Say it another way. Psalm chapter 1. Now, I've, I've, I, I've spent time 
studying Psalm 1. You want to know why I spend time studying Psalm 1 personally? It's because there are just two options for life. Flourishing or not flourishing. Just two. And I like Psalm 1 because it makes it very clear. Okay? I want to experience a blessed life. I want to have that which is good for the soul. But i got to walk in the truth. So here's what Psalm 1 says. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed, that's, that's good for the soul. Blessed, that's what's good for the soul. Blessed, that's a life of fulfillment and satisfaction. Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. A uh, couple of, uh, I think it's for Father's Day, my girls uh, got, or my family, it wasn't just the girls, but my family got me those ear things. You know those uh, ear, earbuds, ear pods, thingy, thingy. Y'all, you know what, ear, earbuds? And so they got that for me, and, and I love them. I really do. I love them. You pop the, that little case open, you stick those things in your ear, and you push the playlist, and you get to listen to the playlist. And everything else is blocked out. All I hear is the playlist. And, and can I tell you, that's, that's kind of what Psalm 1 is talking about. He's saying, there's going to be a playlist that you think about, that you listen to. But is it the playlist that will lead to life or is it the playlist that will lead to death? Is it the playlist that is toxic or is it the playlist that is flourishing? When, when the psalmist says, blessed is the person who walks not in the, uh, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, that's the wrong playlist. Or, or, or stands in the path of sinners, that's the wrong playlist. Or sits in the seat of the scornful, that's the wrong playlist. But blessed is the person who delights himself in the law of the Lord. That's the right playlist. Blessed is the person who delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That's the right playlist. And he'll be like a tree. Now, here's the result. I listen to the right playlist. It's pounding in my soul. Here's the result. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, Brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does will prosper. But if you listen to the wrong playlist, you're going to be like the chaff which the wind drives away. And the choice is up to us. What's the playlist you're going to listen to? Are you walking in the truth? Guys, we've got to adjust our life to fit not what we feel not even what we desire. We've got to adjust our life to fit what God wants. Are you walking in truth? Well, Gaius was walking in truth, and the way that we knew that Gaius was walking in truth is because of how well he loved others. You see, when we walk in truth, we love others well. Gaius would receive people and love them well. That's the picture that we have in this passage. Diotrephes, on the other hand, was not walking in truth because he wasn't loving others well. Can, can I, can I, and I don't want to, again, you are not walking in truth if you are not loving others well. I want you to write that down. I want you to just sear it in your soul. You are not walking in truth, no matter how much doctrine you may know, no matter how much uh, Bible you can recite, no matter how many sermons you've listened to, no matter how much stuff you got in your head, if you are not loving others well, you are not 
walking in the truth. And if you're not walking in the truth, then you are not embracing that which is good for your soul, the soul of your marriage, the soul of your family, the soul of your work, the soul of this church. See, walking in truth isn't merely just uh, understanding all this information. Walking in truth is revealed by how well we love others. In 1 John, John said it this way. He said, uh, and he's talking about walking in the light, which is same, it's same as walking in the truth. He said, you say that you walk in the truth, but you hate your brother. Let me tell you, you're a liar. See, if, if, if we are not loving others well, then we're not walking in truth, no matter how much information we've got. But if we are walking in the truth, then we're going to adjust the way we live so that we love others well. If my wife and I get in a fight and I treat her like a jerk and I do that consistently, the problem is not with my wife. The problem is with me. I'm not walking in the truth. If I'm not loving my wife well, it's my problem. Well, she should fix me chocolate chip cookies. She does that a lot. She loves me well. But you know what? It really wouldn't matter if she loved me well or not. That's not the mandate for us. The mandate for us is not love those who love us. That's not the mandate. The mandate isn't even love those who tolerate us. The mandate is to love others the way Jesus has loved us. And how has Jesus loved us? He died for sinners. When we deserve nothing but discipline or punishment or judgment, Jesus shows us love by going to a cross and paying the price for our sin. There's not a soul in here, not one person, not any of us who are worthy of Jesus' love. None of us. But Jesus gives it nonetheless. Jesus sees us even in our hostility toward God, and he says, I'm going to love you. That's how we're supposed to love. We're supposed to love those that we know. John says here, even the strangers we're supposed to love. You want to know why we do Big Serve, and, and if you haven't signed up for Big Serve, we take the month of September, and we go to South Norfolk this year, and we do projects simply to help people. If you haven't signed up for Big Serve, I want you to go to bigserve.org and join us on that journey in September. Um, we don't do it so that people might think, oh, Eric, or First Norfolk is, is all that, and and and. Uh, peanut butter and jelly and grape and all that. No, we do it because there's a mandate on us to love people. The reason we've been doing Big Serve for over a decade is because there's a mandate on us to love people. We want to go to South Norfolk, and we want to lavish that community with the love of Jesus Christ. And it's dependent upon us to love well. It's dependent upon you to love well at your office. It's dependent upon you to love well in your home. It's dependent upon you to love well in this church. And, and, and that's why it's important not to be diatrophies. You're acting like diatrophies when you live by the me first principle. He desires to have preeminence among them. If you think that your opinion is more important than anybody else, then make sure you're behaving like diatrophies. 
If you think that the most important person in the room is me, I'm, not me, you, not, you know what I'm saying. If you think you're the most important person in the room, then make no mistake, you're being diatrophies. If I think I'm the most important person in the room, then make no mistake, I'm being diatrophies. And I'm pouring toxic into my soul. I'm pouring toxic into my family. I'm pouring toxic into my relationships. I'm pouring toxic into my marriage. I'm pouring toxic into my work. I'm pouring toxic into my church. It's not good for the soul. Don't be diatrophies. If you're talking bad about people, well, they deserve it. Oh, and that's not really the goal here. If you're prating with malicious words about other people, make sure to know that you are pouring toxic into your soul. You're pouring toxic into your marriage. You're pouring toxic into your family. You're pouring toxic into your work. You're pouring toxic into your church. If you're saying malicious words about others, then you are not loving well. And it, listen, don't be diatrophies. Don't try to demean others or be dismissive of others in order to make yourself feel big or look big. Don't be diatrophies. The goal for us as followers of Christ is to Embrace that which is good for the soul. I want you to grow. I want you to have satisfaction in your life. I want our church to be healthy and a flourishing place. But that begins with me and with us determining that we will walk in truth because that's good for the soul and we will love well because that's what shows that we're walking in truth. Would you bow your heads with me, please? As we close this time of gathering, I just want to, I want us to kind of lean into some specific questions. The first question is this. Am I walking in truth. Don't ask yourself the question. Don't even ask me the question. Will you ask God, God, am I walking in truth? Friends, I want you to experience the nourishment that God provides as you walk in sync with him, as you live by the fear of the Lord, in concert with the good news that Jesus has awakened in us, it's my hope and prayer that you would, that you would find the nourishment for your soul as you walk in the truth of God. But you've got to walk in the truth. And, and maybe now as you ask that question, God by his uh, spirit is pinpointing a place or places in your life where you are not submitting to the will of God, revealed in the word of God, applied by the spirit of God. There's something in your life that is inconsistent, out of sync with the character of Jesus Christ. And, and maybe today that's what you need to confess. And I want to encourage you in these next few moments, as the Spirit of God pinpoints those places in you, will you confess them and repent of them as sin? Oh God, am I walking in the truth? And the second question, oh God, 
Am I loving others well? Again, my heart's desire for you and for us as a church is that we would flourish, that, that we would experience the nourishment of our souls by the very presence of God, that we would be satisfied fully and completely by the work of the Spirit of God in our lives through Jesus Christ. But for us to taste that nourishment, we must love others well. And maybe today God is revealing to you where you are not loving others well. Will you confess it as sin and repent of it? In these next few moments, I'm just going to invite you just to stay right where you are. And you talk to God as we worship him together. Now, Father... Speak, and we will listen. Teach us, and we will obey. I pray for these who have gathered here that we would flourish even now as we remove those things that are toxic to our soul and embrace that which is good for our soul. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.